This is section 99 of Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 1, Part 2, 1866 to 1875. Chapter 99. A Typewriter and a Joke on Aldrich. It was during the trip to Boston with Twitchell that Mark Twain saw for the first time what was then a brand new invention, a typewriter, or it may have been during a subsequent visit a week or two later. At all events, he had the machine and was practicing on it December ninth, 1874, for he wrote two letters on it that day, one to Howells and the other to Orion Clemens. In the latter he says, I am trying to get the hang of this new-fangled writing machine, but am not making a shining success of it. However, this is the first attempt I have ever made, and yet I perceive that I shall soon easily acquire a fine facility in its use. I saw the thing in Boston the other day, and was greatly taken with it. He goes on to explain the new wonder, and on the whole his first attempt is a very creditable performance. With his usual enthusiasm over an innovation, he believes it is going to be a great help to him, and proclaims its advantages. This is the letter to Howells, with the errors preserved. You needn't answer this. I am only practicing to get three anoth slip up there, only practicing to get the hang of the thing. I notice I misfire and get in a good many unnecessary letters and punctuation marks. I am simply using you for a target to bang at. Blame my cats, but this thing requires genius in order to work it just right. In an article written long after, he tells how he was with Nasby when he first saw the machine in Boston through a window, and how they went in to see it perform. In the same article he states that he was the first person in the world to apply the type machine to literature, and that he thinks the story of Tom Sawyer was the first type-copied manuscript. Tom Sawyer was not then complete, and had been laid aside. The first type-copied manuscript was probably early chapters of the Mississippi story, two discarded typewritten pages of which still exist. The new enthusiasm ran its course and died. Three months later, when the Remington makers wrote him for a recommendation of the machine, he replied that he had entirely stopped using it. The typewriter was not perfect in those days, and the keys did not always respond readily. He declared it was ruining his morals, that it made him want to swear. He offered it to Howells because, he said, Howells had no morals anyway. Howells hesitated, so Clemens traded the machine to Bliss for a side-saddle. But perhaps Bliss also became afraid of its influence, for in due time he brought it back. Howells again tempted, hesitated, and this time was lost. What eventually became of the machine is not history. One of those happy Atlantic dinners which Howells tells of came about the end of that year. It was at the Parker House, and Emerson was there, 
and aldrich and the rest of that group don't you dare to refuse the invitation said howells and naturally clemens didn't and wrote back i want you to ask mrs howells to let you stay all night at the parker house and tell lies and have an improving time and take breakfast with me in the morning i will have a good room for you and a fire can't you tell her it always makes you sick to go home late at night or something like that that sort of thing arouses mrs clemens sympathies easily two memories of that old dinner remain today aldrich and howells were not satisfied with the kind of neckties that mark twain wore the old-fashioned black string tie a western survival so they made him a present of two cravats when he set out on his return for hartford next day he wrote you and aldrich have made one woman deeply and sincerely grateful mrs clemens for months i may even say years she has shown an unaccountable animosity toward my necktie even getting up in the night to take it with the tongs and blackguard it sometimes also getting so far as to threaten it when i said you and aldrich had given me two new neckties and that they were in a paper in my overcoat pocket she was in a fever of happiness until she found i was going to frame them then all the venom in her nature gathered itself together insomuch that i being near to a door went without perceiving danger it is recorded that eventually he wore the neckties and returned no more to the earlier mode another memory of that dinner is linked to a demand that aldrich made of clemens that night for his photograph clemens returning to hartford put up fifty-two different specimens in as many envelopes with the idea of sending one a week for a year then he concluded that this was too slow a process and for a week sent one every morning to his grace of Ponkapog. aldrich stood it for a few days then protested the police he said are in the habit of swooping down upon a publication of that sort on new year's no less than twenty pictures came at once photographs and prints of mark twain his house his family his various belongings aldrich sent a warning then that the perpetrator of this outrage was known to the police as mark twain alias the jumping frog a well-known california desperado who would be speedily arrested and brought to pongapog to face his victim this letter was signed t bailey chief of police and on the outside of the envelope there was a statement that it would be useless for that person to send any more mail matter as the post office had been blown up the jolly farce closed there it was the sort of thing that both men enjoyed aldridge was writing a story at this time which contained some western mining incident and environment he sent the manuscript to clemens for expert consideration and advice clemens wrote him at great length and in careful detail 
he was fond of aldrich regarding him as one of the most brilliant of men once to robert louis stevenson he said aldrich has never had his peer for prompt and pithy and witty and humorous sayings none has equaled him certainly none has surpassed him in the felicity of phrasing with which he clothed these children of his fancy aldrich is always brilliant he can't help it he is a fire opal set round with rose diamonds when he is not speaking you know that his dainty fancies are twinkling and glimmering around in him when he speaks the diamonds flash yes he is always brilliant he will always be brilliant he will be brilliant in hell <laughs> you will see stevenson smiling a chuckly smile said i hope not well you will and he will dim even those ruddy fires and look like a transfigured adonis backed against a pink sunset north american review september 1906 end of chapter 99 a typewriter and a joke on aldrich read by john greenman